Hi, my name is Amber Delugash and I teach dual credit composition at Bolivar High School. This year took a turn that we could not have anticipated. I would have never guessed that I'd be finishing the school year out teaching at home with my dog Dottie, who you can hear walking across the floor right now. Though their senior year took a harsh turn and many are now facing tough realities, my students have continued to exude exemplary character. The stories and insights they've shared have challenged me to keep going and to see different perspectives. So I've asked them if they would share with you by reading a piece of their own choosing. In each episode, you'll hear from five members of the graduating class of 2020. I call this group of students the good guys, and I think you'll see why. I hope you enjoy another episode of Powerful Perspectives. Hello, how are you guys doing today? My name is Benjamin Roker, and I identify myself as a storyteller. And today I'll be reading to you a story that I had written while I was in the um, confinements of my own home. And so I chose this story because it kind of it kind of was therapeutic for me in a way that I was kind of able to really try to assess the situation itself. And I kind of took sensory any, you know, like taste, touch, feel. And I focused on like hearing and like what I could hear or what I should be hearing. And so that's kind of where this was and obviously it was for an assignment but it really helped me to take everything into perspective so today i'll be reading to you my piece called silence how wonderful the power of listening is to be able to understand and hear everything going on and have such unique sound there are so many to listen to around this time there are many special sounds to hear you can hear the voices talking in the halls of the school. You can hear the teachers giving out their assignments. You can hear the music of choir singing in their rehearsals. You can hear the groans of not getting enough sleep. You can hear the laughter filling up the commons. You can hear the joke of the day coming from the intercom. You can hear the engine of cars arriving at school. You can hear the teachers shuffle for coffee. You can hear your mom yelling at you to wake up. You can hear the gossip going from ear to ear. You can hear the sound of text messages coming asking if you have finished the assignment due next block. You can hear the voices of seniors excited to get their cap and gown looking forward to their graduation. You can hear the sound of buses coming up to pick you up for your senior trip around the U.S. You can hear the traffic all around you in New York City. You can hear the cries of grief while walking through the Holocaust Museum. You can hear the sighs of wonder while looking through the Smithsonian Museum. You can hear the conversations of new friendships being made with the people you thought you knew, but didn't. You can hear the snapping of cameras as you stand in front of the gazebo, ready to make the long drive to Branson for your senior prom. You can hear the water splashing as you get on ready to board. You can hear the jumping on the wooden floor of the boat from everyone dancing. You can hear your name as you walk on the stage after 13 years of hard work and dedication. You can hear your crying mother knowing her baby is all grown up. 
You can hear the sounds of cheering as you finally end your education with your classmates. You're supposed to hear all these amazing things that make up your final year of high school, but you can't. The sound escapes you. There's no talking in the hallways, no dancing, no teaching, no singing, no laughing, no sighs, no greetings, and no goodbyes. The plague hovers over and takes everything from you and leaves only one thing while you're stuck in your room. Silence. Hi, I'm Paige Reynolds and I'm doing my college comp final. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I am a senior high school just trying to finish the year out strong. I will be reading my list writing that we did towards the end of the year. I chose it because I felt like I connected with it the best and like learned the most from it whenever I wrote it. Uh, It just was also one of my more favorite pieces that I did write. So I, I just I liked it and I wanted to read this one. It's also it's about the time in quarantine and kind of my new normal and my new wants. They're not as like big or kind of neat petty ones. They're things that kind of mean more now that I kind of took for granted. So here we go. I am sitting here on my pile of pillows in my room doing my homework. Then I will go eat lunch with my mom and my and sister while we watch some Food Network show. This is my new normal in all of this. I can see changes in myself, others, and the world. I also notice that my wants are not as big. All I want are the simple things now. I want to sit in a restaurant, sit there for an hour, talk, and have a good time. I want to be able to go see a movie, walk in and smell the buttery popcorn. I want to have my morning chats with Tracy in her office, actually learn something in a classroom, or play a game of Uno that lasts 30 minutes. I've always wanted a snow day or any way to get out of school, and now all I want is to go back. I want to drive and actually have somewhere to go. I want to know if I can go on vacation. I want to see other people. I want to bake more, but that is good for no one. I want to go to another person's house. My house does not have the same charm as it once did. I do wonder if the want to go out is only because I can't. I guess I want freedom back. I want to know if what I used to call normal will ever come back. I want to know if people will have new fear. I want to know how this will change the rest of my life. Will this be a big defining moment in my life? Will I always think back to these couple of months? I want to know when this will all be over. Life may never be the same again, or this may end and everything will go back to normal. Our wants may not be as big as our needs. Maybe it will be good. Change is not always bad, and sometimes it's needed. A new normal could be just what everybody needs. I hope you enjoyed, and goodbye. I chose this uh, writing piece because uh, I feel like it is the most memorable story from high school, and it's most the most appropriate for this podcast. Hello, uh, my name is Jaseya Phipps, and I am a soon-to-be high school graduate, and I will be reading my short story that I wrote for composition. As I walked through the entrance to the high school, I could tell 
through the next few weeks that my social standing for the next few years was going to be determined. It was the first day of high school. This was a day that I had been dreading for the last few weeks. For my entire life, I had been homeschooled. During that time, I had built up a cushion of familiarity. I never had to do anything outside of my comfort zone. Then, all of a sudden, I am thrusted into a brand new world. I entered the school and felt a wave of curiosity and timidity wash over me. The large open area filled with faces of the people I would spend the next few years getting to know. As I walked through, I looked, looking for my classes, I clutched my class schedule in my hands. It was the only thing that felt grounded. Everything else seemed uncertain. Through the next few weeks of school, I had gained a routine to help me through the day. I found that by the middle of the day, middle of the day, I had become socially exhausted. After all the group work, small talk, and general socializing, once noon came around, I needed to recharge. Lunch co- coincided great with this. 30 minutes of time where I didn't have to talk to anyone. I treasured this time alone. One day, a day that started like any other, I made my journey towards the cafeteria. As I sat at the table at the far end of the commons, a lanky body approached my location. I looked up, and my mind went blank as anxiety crept into my conscience. Want some cucumber? he asked, his arm outstretched, bestowing a thick green cylinder of juicy succulence. Sure, I replied. He placed the piece of cucumber on my napkin so as to not tarnish the earthy flavor with the filth of the public school cafeteria table, and walked nonchalantly back towards his table. As he left, I exhaled and stared at the cucumber, wondering why public school kids were so weird. This went on for a few more days, to the point of becoming expected. Besides this strange ritual, things were rather normal. Until one day I had just sat through half my algebra class and was walking towards the commons. I sat down at the empty table and waited. As it was time for me to see, as it was time for me to receive my bi-daily gift of succulent green deliciousness. I sat and waited. Soon I saw the cucumber man approach my spot at the end of the commons. Only this time the cucumber man had no no cucumber in his hand. Hey, he said. Want to come sit at our table? This was the first chance for me to choose whether I wanted to stay at the table for the rest of the year or even the rest of high school. This was a choice, a choice between doing what I know, what's comfortable, versus taking a risk and trying to get out of my comfort zone and trying something frightfully new. With a few seconds that I had to ponder, I thought through my choices and came upon a decision I thought about the reasons why my parents wanted me in high school. Among them was that I needed to be able to, I needed to grow to be able to socialize. How could I do that if I didn't make friends in school? It's because of this I chose to follow my new friend. I got up leaving the security of the lonely lunch table and strolled with my new friend over to a table full of welcoming faces. This was the beginning of a great experience if I had not chosen to make a change, to step out of my comfort zone. I would have had a miserable time in school and would leave it hoping and hoping to never have to think about it again. But because I stepped out of my comfort zone, I gained friendships that had that have enhanced my life and caused me to look back 
on my time in high school with fondness. And that is the whole piece. Hi, my name is Annabelle Ramirez and I am a senior at Bolivar High School. I will be reading a piece I wrote called The Night of My Presumed Death, and I chose to share this because I think it is a fun memory from my senior year. Okay, here I go. It was an ordinary Thursday night with my friend Maddie Barzi. We thought we were going to have a normal sleepover, but little did we know our lives were at risk. This sleepover was a very last-minute decision because Maddie had no clothes for spring break to go with her family to Oklahoma. Maddie assured me that when we got to her host family's house that we would be in and out in five minutes. So I agreed to go with her and help her pack, not knowing what this night had in store for me. I asked my parents to go with Maddie and they agreed because we would be back in 20 minutes. It was around 9.30 p.m. when we left my house, so it was already dark and kind of scary because Maddie was driving. Let's just say she does not have the best track record when it comes to managing a car. As we drove up the twisty, dark country roads, we approached Maddie's house. Maddie warned me that there might be a bit of talking, but nothing out of the ordinary. We pulled into the driveway, and that's when I met a random guy, who Maddie knew, of course, but a stranger to me. He randomly asked us, do you want to go visit the house? I had no idea what he was talking about, but Maddie knew immediately. Maddie explained to me that he had told her stories about a house they owned a few miles out that was haunted. I immediately vetoed the idea, and Maddie tried to say no as politely as possible. This stranger that I soon learned to be named Rex kept insisting that we go visit the haunted house. Maddie and I spent about 10 minutes trying to talk him out of the idea, but he was insistent. He, he said, it will only take 10 minutes. It will be fun. You have to go once while you're still here. There was no changing his mind. By now, it was already the time that I told my parents we would be home. Instead of being in the comfort of my bed, eating ice cream and laughing uncontrollably at TikToks, we were following Rex to his haunted house. We kept following him like the smart teenagers we are, but we convinced ourselves it was going to be an interesting life experience. We kept following Rex, but I did not see the haunted house. All I saw was this little house. Rex pulled his truck into the little house, and at this point, I became very uncomfortable. I was freaking out and asking why we were here and not the haunted house, and wondering if we were going to get raped, murdered, or kidnapped. I could feel my pulse racing with the fear of not knowing what was going to happen next. Rex got out of a truck and signaled for us to get out as well. All that was on my mind was that Maddie and I were going to have a life experience that we wouldn't forget. As rational human beings, we got out of the car and I whispered to Maddie, What if he kidnaps us? This is not the haunted house. She assured me we are going to be fine, but I'm sure she had the same thoughts running through her head. It turns out it was just a little trailer he remodeled and lived in when he was single. I thought I got out of going to the haunted house. At that point, I was relieved. It was until Rex said, why don't you hop in the truck with me? Because it's a bit far out and it's muddy. This got my heart beating uncontrollably again. But once again, we just hopped in the truck. Three minutes had passed since he told us to get in the truck. I was getting very worried. I thought he might just be getting his chainsaws ready to cut us up to a million little human pieces. He took what seemed like forever. Good thing Maddie was on my lap because if he did come out with a chainsaw, she would be the first to go and I would have time to run. After about five minutes, Rex finally came into the car and started driving us to the house. 
Maddie and I started to tell him that the most we would do is see the outside and then we would go. All he told us is that we will see when we get there. I was staying calm on the outside, well, at least I think, but I was being tortured on the inside. Then I saw the haunted house, and let's say this time the house did look haunted. On the way up, it was very bumpy, and I immediately knew it was super muddy. Muddy. This wouldn't have been an issue if I wasn't wearing if I was wearing boots and clothes I did not care about, but I was wearing white jeans and a new pair of wedges. Maddie agreed because she was wearing her pristine white vans. We complained about it to Rex, but he shrugged it off and told us to go inside. At this point, I decided to start filming this journey in case we died or got kidnapped and I needed to send evidence to someone. Maddie and I got out of the car. We saw the house and thought it was a good time to stop. That did not stop Rex from convincing us to go inside. Maddie and I told him we would only go in for two minutes and no longer than that. We went inside and it was super drafty and smelled like skunk. We were then informed that a lot of kids partied at this haunted house. He even told us he met some of the kids that partied here, which I thought was weird because he was not mad at them at all. We went through the kitchen and and we decided our two minutes were up, but Rex said we had to go look in the living room. We obliged and followed along as I gripped Maddie's arm as hard as I could. The floorboards were rotting and looked like they would fall out from under us with every step we took. That was just the living room. Rex decided to take us deeper into the house no matter how uncomfortable it made us feel. Come on, he said. Don't be scared, he said. It sounded like what someone would say in a horror movie right before being axe-murdered. We followed him into the next room. As soon as we got inside, there was a gust of wind that slammed the door behind us. This caused outrage with Maddie and me. We protested that we wanted to leave the house now, and we wanted no more of this ghoul-filled hellhole. Then I saw it. A flight of stairs. I already knew what was about to happen. Rex wanted us to go check out the upstairs. That is where I drew the line. Or so I thought. Somehow, this man pressured me to go up no matter how much protesting I did. These were not just like any regular flight of stairs. They had narrow steps and spiraled up. It was a very steep staircase with no railing. This, combined with the condition of the house and the time of day, was only a mixture for disaster. I held on to Maddie tight, making sure I did not miscalculate a step, otherwise it would be a plummet toward my imminent death. By the grace of God, we did not die going up the stairs, but out of nowhere there was a loud shriek. Shriek. My heart jumped out of my chest, and I let out a gut-wrenching cry for help. At this point, I'm on the verge of tears, telling Maddie this was the last straw, because I had lost my footing and thought I was going to fall off the staircase. That shriek was from Rex trying to scare us, and of course it worked. The upstairs was super eerie and drafty, and it felt like there was a presence of something. Not, not another human, I can tell you that. We immediately wanted to leave that upstairs because we had a very uneasy feeling about being up there way worse than downstairs rex wanted to show us the slave quarters of the house but we stood firm and told him no and that we wanted to leave he finally listened and said we could head back down we finally got back down the stairs and it felt more calming i mean as calming as a haunted house could be but no scary presence rex would stop at the doorways and talk about the molding on them and how we don't see those anymore and Maddie and I would just agree so we could get out of the conversation and leave as fast as we could. After about 10 minutes of being inside the haunted house, we were finally out. But if you ask me, it felt like 30. 
I never thought I would be thankful to be standing in mud, but I was as long as it got me out of that wretched house. Maddie and I hopped in the truck, relieved and ready to leave as soon as possible. Rex got in the truck and we started to, to make it to the exit of the house. That is when Maddie and I saw a raggedy old car and a figure coming towards the truck. The first thing I, that pa passed through my mind was, yep, I'm going to die tonight, no questions asked. Maddie and I made the executive decision that we needed to start filming again to show proof of the last time we were alive. Rex did not know who this man was at first, but he hopped out of the truck and started talking to the guy. Maddie and I were still freaking out and coming up with ways to protect ourselves with a lint roller. About two minutes, Rex came. After about two minutes, Rex came back and told us it was his neighbor, and that he was checking up on the house because he saw a truck pull in. A boatload of stress disappeared when he said that because I was preparing for the worst. Rex then took us back to the little tra trailer where Maddie's car was. At, was at so we could drive back to her house and pack. So it turns out Rex did not want to kill us or murder us. He just really wanted to show us the house. Let's just say it was such a relief to be back in Maddie's car. Maddie and I discussed our little spontaneous trip on the way back to the house. We both agreed it was a fun and good life experience. But that being said, we would never go back to that house again. Okay, thank you. Hello listeners, my name is Jenna Roberts. I am a senior in the class of 2020. I'll be reading an original story entitled Singing Insects. It is a story about my personal experience with wasps and bees. I'm sharing this to give an insight into a few experiences and share a lesson that I learned along the way. Stinging Insects. I have a memory from a long time ago when I was a child. It is one of pain. When I was around two years old, I was outside playing, and all of a sudden, I felt a tickling on the top of my head. So naturally, as a two-year-old, I put my hands on top of my head. The next moment, yikes, there was a burning pain, and I started to cry. My babysitter was beside herself. Eventually, I calmed down, and all was well again. Once I was calm again, she explained to me that I was stung by a wasp. She explained that they sting when they are afraid, and that it would hurt for a while, and then it would heal. Now fast forward to a time, to a Sunday afternoon, when I was around 11 years old. My best friend and my younger cousin and I were down at a little creek below my aunt's house, which is surrounded by woods and creates a cool canopy in the heat of the summer. The three of us were catching little crawdads in the creek. I had wandered a bit further upstream than my companions. All of a sudden, I felt a sharp pain on my leg and then another on my arm. I didn't know what was happening, but I didn't like it. I got away from the bushes by the creek as fast as I could. I splashed back towards the entrance of the creek and stumbled back up the hill to my aunt's house as fast as I could. As I was getting away, I heard my friend call back, it's not a big deal, it was just a thorn, but I knew it was not just a thorn. I continued my trek up the hill to the house where I knew my mom and dad and my cousins would be found. Once I made the short walk to the house, my mother immediately knew there was something amiss. I was almost in hysterics, and I was physically shaking. My mom calmed, calmly explained to me that I must have stumbled into a yellow jacket nest. She told me that they attack any intruders as a group. As she was talking, I showed her the sting on my leg. Then I felt another on my finger and another on my arm. As my mother put baking soda on each one, 
I felt another stinging somewhere else. By the time we were done, we had found seven stings. I was shaking, and my mom explained that it wasn't because I was afraid or allergic, but because I had gotten such a big dose of the venom from so many stings that it caused a release of adrenaline and histamine. Mom gave me some Benadryl and explained that putting baking soda on the stings would help neutralize some of the venom and that the Benadryl and some ice for a few days would help with the swelling. However, they were still sore for days afterwards, furthering my disdain for stinging insects. I take you forward in time again to the summer of my 16th year. I was doing farm chores for our neighbors who were away on vacation. I was hired to feed their many animals and water their garden and do an assortment of other things. They had been gone for a few days, so I thought I would get the mail from the mailbox. Their house is down a gravel road, and the ditch by the mailbox has tall weeds beside it. I was opening the mailbox when I felt yet again a sharp pain on my leg through thick sweatpants. I thought at first it was a briar or a thorn that I had somehow picked up doing chores, but as the pain escalated, I understood what had happened. I had learned the hard way that red wasps live in weeds. By the time I made it home, a few minutes later, it was stinging and burning very badly. I put some baking soda on it, like my mother had taught me to do, but it didn't do much to help the swelling. Within the next week, it swelled to the size of a softball, and the heat of the summer only made it worse. I'm not severely allergic to getting stung, although it was still a painful reaction. After a while, and after many doses of Benadryl, the swelling went down, and all was well again. However, the memory of the initial sting and the uncomfortable tightness of the swollen wound and the scar that it left behind serves as a reminder of how much I will do to stay away from venomous creatures. Fast forward again to the second week of the great old quarantine of 2020. My mother and I were walking through the woods looking for mushrooms. I was perhaps 40 yards into the tree line when I stepped on a spongy sounding place in the ground and heard an odd low, muted humming sound. Now, I had been walking long, not paying attention to anything, but the bases of the tree trunks where the mushrooms grow. I had thought it was an odd noise, but thought nothing else of it until I stepped off the spot and glanced back. I watched in horror as a giant, quarter-sized bumblebee popped out of the ground, looking very angry that I had just smashed his house. Needless to say, I did not stay around to see what kind of revenge he would have chosen for me. Once I was safely at least 50 feet away, admittedly a little bit of an overkill, I returned to the edge of the woods and waited by the safety of the cool creek that was far away from the stinging insects for my mom to return. I had quite lost my spirit for a mushroom hunt, at least for that expedition. As I waited for my mom to return from the woods, I thought back on all the times I had encountered stinging insects. One week, I found a wasp in my room every night for an entire week. It was winter, and they hardly had any life left in them to fly or sting, but that did not make a difference to me. They still filled me with the same dread and fear of being stung. Another time, I discovered a wasp nest under my trampoline. It was huge, around seven inches at the widest point of the nest. I discovered them while jumping when about 50 of them crawled out from under the trampoline and started buzzing around. 
obviously irritated at me for disrupting them. I got away from them as quickly as I could, but it still left me shaking from fright and adrenaline. I was thinking about all of this as I waited for my mother to come out of the woods. When she did, she looked calm and collected, opposite of what I was feeling. I realized that she had been with me during all the times I'd had run-ins with wasps and bees. Not once had I seen her panic or be afraid of them, and she always knew what to do. I realized that maybe I didn't have to be so afraid of these little insects. In fact, they are tiny compared to humans, and even if they do sting you, the pain goes away after a few days and all is well again. I realized that I didn't have to let these creatures have so much effect on my life, and that I didn't have to be so afraid of them. I could learn how to kill them, or just let them be, as they usually don't attack unless you do something to upset them. Since I knew that there was no way to avoid them all the time, I realized that I could still be apprehensive of them, but I could learn to live with them. I will be ever watchful of these small, stinging creatures and give them a wide berth when I next encounter them. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know that these five seniors really appreciate your time and your ears. They have boldly shared their own stories and perspectives, and I celebrate that in them. It's very brave and courageous of them to do. In our class, we center all that we do around one common saying. Stories create connection, and connection creates understanding. And it's my hope that that's what's happened here today. Thank you again.